Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire and this is part two of our interview with former Heart star Ryan McGowan. So if you haven't yet listened to part one, then we'd recommend downloading that episode first. In today's show, Mark Donaldson and myself pick up with Ryan midway through season 2011-12, which was a memorable campaign for many reasons. So we're in season 2011, season 2012, with our special guest, Ryan McGowan. When the draw was made for the semi-final, be honest, when you got Celtic, what did you think? Got a chance. Okay. Well, I always thought that. I didn't get that whole... Again, coming from Australia, I just... I didn't get that, like, fear. Like, oh, it's Celtic, oh, it's Rangers. Like, oh... I just didn't get that. I just thought, well, let's just beat them. And then we can, we actually have zero to lose. Like, if we get beat 5-0, then we join the 100 other teams that have got beaten 5-0. And if we beat them, we join the very few that have beat them. So, and I think Sergio was of that mindset as well because he had kind of come in. And I think sometimes it takes someone to, like, click outside that kind of mould of, like, just try, like, who cares? Do you mean, like, if we got beaten that semi final 4 0 or 5 0, you know, we'll probably get beat 4 or 5 0 in future semi finals or finals, and we'll probably get, and we've been beaten before. So let's just try and win it, and then we'll see what goes from there. And we had a game plan that, we, that again, that Sergio had kind of planned in terms of, like, yeah, we want to be, like, defensively sound, which we had been, like, all season, but at the same time, we did have threats going forward we had players that could change the game in terms of like BD that we we didn't have maybe at the start of the season we had Stephen Elliott um Skatchel we're big at set pieces like you know we we're going in there being like okay yeah we're going to need a little bit of luck but we've got a cup final like on the line do you know what I mean and mm. and then with it with Hibs winning it before yep we're like like not being overly cocky but do you mean you win that game and all like what a chance you've got you've got Hibs in the final like there's not much you know you don't really get too many Scottish Cup finals without Celtic or Rangers in it so you know let's just go for it that was obviously something um that was already decided because with the draw it was Hibs Aberdeen Celtic Hearts so to be fair you're going to face Celtic if you get through the final they're likely to be there so you may as well face them in the semi-final so prior to the game, you know it's Hibs. Is there talk among the Hearts boys in the dressing room? Is there talk among the players about Hibs? Or is the focus fully on the tactics in the Celtic game? Uh, a little bit of both in terms of, like, we knew we had a, a big job to do on the Sunday, but we also had that massive carrot of what a game that would be if we were to, like, if we were to win that. We're going to be playing Hibs in a cup final. And with that comes a massive chance of winning it. Do you know what I mean? It, so if we got past Celtic, we had a really, really good chance of winning. Whereas if we played Hibs in the semi-final, we'd be like, right, this is a massive game. But if we win that, again, we've got like Celtic in the final, which is going to be, you know, our chances are maybe 30%. Whereas if we beat Celtic, we've gone to the cup final, you know, it's Hibs, we played them, we beat them every game that season you know we were very confident of of beating him so it was um 
And Celtic were like, they were doing all right, but they were a little bit, do you know I mean? We felt that they weren't, we weren't scared of them as such. I think they, it goes on, I think the last game of the season, the week before the cup final, they beat us 5-0, but we just felt that at Hamden, um, again, we had the fans and, and I think sometimes Hearts fans can go in with like a different mindset. So say if we were playing Hibs or Aberdeen, they'd be expecting us to win. So, you know, we'd maybe have like 20 there, 20, 30,000 there, and they'd be like, right, we, let's just win. Let's score now and, and let's win. Whereas we're like, we've got Celtic here, but we've got Hibs in the final. So, you know, like, let's really, you know, backs against the wall. Let's support them. I remember like you'd win a throw in and like crowd was going crazy. And you're just like, yeah, like, you know, this was a really, really good chance here. And I think they missed a couple of sitters. That key hit the post. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, oh, like, we got a good chance. And I think I'm pretty sure we have a, a, a chance in, like, the first 30 seconds. I think we have a chance in the first, like, 30 seconds of the game. Um, they have, like, a, a short back pass. It's Elliot running onto, onto it. it, yeah. Yeah, and it, I think it goes out for a corner. And I remember just being like, oh, like, yeah, like, you know, it's a good start. <laughs> And just being like so confident that if we could keep a clean sheet or if we could nick a goal, that uh, give us a great chance of, of making a final. Stefan Adam said to us recently that Jim Jeffries changed tactics for the final against Rangers in '98 and allowed them more possession. Did Paolo Sergio change tactics for that semi against Celtic? Yeah, yeah, we'd worked on them um, having the having the ball in certain areas of the pitch and also certain players having the ball. So I'm pretty sure, like, I think... Oh, I can't remember. I think pretty, Kelvin, I think Charlie, Kelvin Wilson, Charlie Mulgrew. Yeah, the, yeah. So I'm pretty sure it was, like, when Mulgrew's got it, we put a bit more pressure on him. Whereas when the other two have it, you know, you can leave them on it because they're probably not going to hurt you as much as maybe Mulgrew can. Um, and then different, like, you know, Sean, they had loads of different things about different players in certain areas. Um I think Scott Robinson played on the right right midfield. So it was like me and Scott Robinson. So I was right back. Scott Robinson was right midfield. And the plan was always that he would kind of go off for Beattie at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would be able to make one change, but change the formation, be able to change two or three players within that. Does that make sense? Was it, was it always Paolo's plan? Because <clears throat> I was at that game behind the goal and I remember... I remember thinking, is, is this is this all part of the plan? Because it was very much set off them in the first half, and it was kind of like soaking up the pressure. Kind of reminded me a bit like a Rocky Balboa fight, you know, let them let them get a few mm. jabs and let them get comfortable, but then completely changed the second half and totally took Celtic by surprise. But yeah, BE came on, and suddenly it seemed like Hearts had stepped out, and obviously we got that goal very early, and that changed the whole dynamic of the game. Was that always Paolo's plan? Just give set, like let them kind of get comfortable, let them pass the ball around, but keep them at arm's length and then, I guess, shock them a bit by kind of, kind of stepping out? Yeah, and I think that was the, the kind of Scott Robinson role in terms of like in the first half, he was, you know, he was, he was athletic, he could get about the pitch, he could put pressure on um, certain players. But then when we could bring Beatty on, it put almost like four strikers on the pitch because we then had, I think Beatty was at the point, schedule behind him, Stephen Elliott kind of shifted over to the right, and I'm trying to think, someone else. Anyway, with one substitution, that Paolo's plan was we could change that whole formation 
and move certain players around. So we could put Skatchel, I think it was Beattie uh, as the point, mm-hmm. and um, Rudy Skatchel and Stephen Elliott kind of either side of them and still have that base of Black in Darren Barr. Is Driver playing? I'm missing someone. Yeah, Driver played. Driver playing. So, so we still had that kind of balance of, you know, keeping it all tight. And, um, yeah, like it literally worked <laughs> Worked perfectly because yeah we like that uh, Stephen Elliott was a little bit on the right. Someone clears it. Steve, sleeves keeps it on the right hand side of the pitch. Plays it in the park to Blackie. Blackie finds Beats. Beats slides into Rudy and um, two touch finish and like you're one nil up. And all of a sudden, like what I said earlier, everyone's like this. You know, Hearts fans are like we've got something to hold on to. We've got something to hold on to. Celtic fans are getting a bit. Itchy. This is not how it's meant to go. And um, defensively, you know, we're still in a good structure. We hadn't gone kamikaze and put everyone up front, um, and we everyone knew their jobs, and we we almost played it perfectly. So Hearts got the lead through Rudy Scatchel just um, at the start of the second half, but three minutes remaining. Gary Hooper levelled for Celtic. So, what were you thinking at this point? Um, did you feel the opportunity to get to the final might have slipped away? And I noticed you mentioned earlier that Charlie Mulgrew was meant to get closed down quickly. Um, did, <laughs> did, did Andy Webster have a word with you? Because I, I think that cross for the goal might have come from a certain Charlie Mulgrew on your side. Yeah, so that was the other thing. So, to like, he wanted the back four to be, like, in the box to be able to defend those crosses. So I'm sure it was either Stephen Elliott or, again, Rudy, whose role it was to slide out because we had a formation because Scott Robinson was very good at it in the first half but the issue that we had was when he went off was that my side would then be open so it was uh, between me and Webby in terms of when I should go and when I should stay so it it caused us problems in the second half I remember feeling like I was a little bit run ragged in terms of every time I went out they'd slide it in behind me and if I stayed in then they'd be able to whip it in um but I remember Webby just being like just get back like I think I was on the edge of the box, or I was kind of looking back on it. I think I was a little bit in no man's land, but I think you made him make um, a, la- a late run to to close him. But it was like, yeah, yeah you were kind of playing centre back and full back, weren't you? Yeah, because we just wanted to to get into the box, and um, the goal was offside that no one talks about. But that's another thing. But we all talk about. It. I remember, <laughs> yeah, I remember just thinking, oh no, like we've done so well, and then I, in my head I was thinking it's going to go extra time and. Well, like then just it was probably a case of trying to get to penalties or like we'd have to re regroup a little bit um which was kind of good because it was so close to the end i felt like if we could just get to the end of the game then we could regroup and, and sort of go up again because i thought we had played quite well um and then yeah and then can you believe we got an actual penalty against celtic in the last minute which shouldn't really have been given though should it <laughs> well, we don't care uh my shot was gone in. <laughs> I think I was shot afterwards. It's going to go in. No, I just remember, I remember um, we'd done penalties beforehand. BD said he was just going to dink it down the middle. So I remember just like praying that, that big Fraser Forrest and just jumped one way or the other because I knew he was going to put it down the middle. Were you confident when he stepped up then? Yeah, because like, again, BD had that like big game experience. Like he was just a big character. He had scored goals. He'd, like, I remember when we were walking out the pitches, like, I scored for Scotland down there. You know, I've scored, I've won this cup a couple of times. Like, 
<laughs> you know, he was just like, this is it. Like, you know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm pretty sure, I think he said it before, he was going around being like, I'm going to score. Like, I feel, I just have a feeling I'm going to score. I remember a few boys being like, you're on the bench, mate. <laughs> but yeah, I was just so confident that, um, that he was going to score. And then, yeah, and then the other funny story that it gets about is that Sergio had gone like, Gave, read us the riot act the day before because there was about three or four players on a yellow card. Ah, you've, you've, you've read like, my no, notes. You've read my notes. <laughs> I, I, this is a good story. So, yeah, a few players have been on yellow cards. So he's like, don't get like a stupid booking. But I wasn't on a yellow card. So when Beatty went running off the pitch, <laughs> everyone stops. And I just, oh, no, fuck it, I'm going to chase after him. And just, um, <laughs> yeah, everyone keeps saying that they catch him. But if you watch the if you watch the footage for long enough, you do see that I catch him. But then, but then it's ages. I remember walking back to the halfway line, like physically being like, oh, sh-, like, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I'm really out of breath. And then, and then it goes for ages. Like, do they play like another four or five minutes? Um, and I remember Webby again, like at the end going, you fucking daft bastard. What the fuck are you doing chasing him about? Save your energy. <laughs> I'm just going, shut up, Webby, we're in the final. <laughs> I'll play the, I'll play a clip of that just now. So this is this is Craig Beatty's penalty at Hamden. But but also watch Darren Barr. So Darren Barr's on a yellow. Yep. So he he goes running and then he sees that white line and he just <laughs> stops. He doesn't go over the white line. Like one of those invisible fences that dogs. You can see his brain thinking, oh, 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 don't go off the pitch, don't go off the pitch. <laughs> Craig Beatty. So that was the goal, and yeah, you were right. I, I, I went and looked up because I could I, I couldn't remember who was all um, going to be suspended. So players who were actually involved: there was Alucas, Scatchel, Driver, Barr, Granger, Robinson, Templeton, Suso, all one yellow card away, and somehow. No one who was on a yellow card, even Zalukas, managed to would get a yellow card um, and get suspended. And you're right, it was it was fantastic because everyone's running after Beatty until that white line, and then everyone stops and you yeah. just you just see you yeah dancing <laughs> dancing around and chasing after after Craig oh, Beatty. I couldn't believe it. Wonderful. I honestly, couldn't believe it. I just knew that we would that was it. Like we were buzzing, we we're going to be in the final. And I but I thought it was a lot later because Hamden just does the 90 minutes so it just comes up like 90 minutes doesn't say like 91 92 yeah Easter so Road thinking, and Ibrox do the same I think yeah so I was thinking in my head like this must be like it felt like 100 minutes so I was like the ref's just going to blow the whistle like as soon as the the game starts and they didn't blow the whistle and then they didn't and they had a free kick and, they had, and I was just like oh no like I'm still out of breath <laughs> but yeah thankfully they bloody blew the whistle and, and that was it it was, it was go time for Hibs. It was, yeah. You got to the cup final. And and that season you'd won three out of three against Hibs. So you must have been confident facing them in the final. Uh, yeah, we were confident. We felt that we were the better team. But we also felt that they had a couple of players that, that could do this something special. Like Griffiths was still there. O'Connor had had a, a relatively good season. Um, and those two especially... Uh, our biggest fear was like if it was if it was a bit of an off day and Griffiths puts one in the top corner from 30 yards away and then you just can't score like 
that was the, you know what I mean? Like you just it used to make you shiver even just thinking about that. Um, and I just remember like Lockie, like every single day from as soon as we found out we we're playing Hibs was just like, we can't lose this. Like, just don't don't even think about losing. Just make sure you win it, blah, blah, blah. Ryan, talk, talk to me about um, how you were able to get the team, the Hibs team, prior to kickoff. Lockie said he had sources or whatever. Um, were you able to work specifically confident that you knew the Hibs team on certain aspects um, ahead of the game? No, I think that's grown a little bit of arms and legs. We, we, they played against Dunfermline the weekend before, I think it was. I think they beat them. 1-4-0. Was it 4-0? Yeah. yeah. And they had changed their formation for that game. And we just thought, well, they've just won 4-0. There's the chance of them changing it back to something else is, is probably not going to happen. The only change would be is I don't think Griffiths played that game, but he would probably come back in for it because I think he was in an injury doubt. So we, we just expected them to play how they played against Dunfermline. And at that time, they didn't have too many players. Like they probably knew our team. Well, everyone probably knew our team before the game. Do you know what I mean? It, you're at the cup final. There's very rarely there's a too many players that you're not too sure about. So we just thought that they would try and minimise like schedule sleeves. We just felt that they would flood the midfield because we'd kind of overrun them in the midfield in the three previous games, which would give um, more space for like me and Danny um, for the fullbacks. Um, so that's what that's what we had kind of worked on. But we were also... At, Paolo was very good at like, okay, we don't really care what Hibs are going to do. We know that if we play well, there's that like famous, remember that famous quote that he said? If you, yeah, if, if you keep, if, if losing, um, well, if, if puts if, pressure on the team that's winning, then you keep on losing. Yeah, like it was, yeah, it was along those lines. Yeah, it was great. And, and he, and he was, he just basically said, if we stick to our game plan, play how we've been playing, we'll win. And if we don't, then we give up, like, he was. He used to be like, you know, if we don't win and they score like that 30-yard goal, and we've kept to this structure, and you know, we, and we don't happen to score and we lose, then you hold our hands up. <laughs> and you can see Lockie behind him just being like, oh my god, like no, <laughs> that's not how it works. Like that can't happen. Um, so the reason yeah, he was he was so confident. In the us reason. Sorry. The reason I asked. There's a delay, hence the problem. Um, the reason I asked the question was a quote from Locke. Um, from Gary when he spoke to Cy Ferry last year, and I know you've done Cy um, as well. Gary said, I can't name my sources, but we had a great idea of their team on the Monday before we played them. We had a rough idea of how they would shape up, so we set up all week based on what we'd been told they were going to do, and it probably influenced our decision to play Suso rather than Templeton. Yeah, well, I think I think they knew the formation, but like again, I spoke to like James McPake when I was at Dundee, and he was under the impression that he was like, yeah, we probably knew they were going to play that formation, but they weren't too sure. And I think it was, I think it's Griffiths for some reason that was playing. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. It's it, again, it's like not that hard to like, like we used to have people watching us at Rickerton as such, but I, don't, I, I can't remember if we had a certain we knew certain players were going to be playing certain positions. I think the only one we weren't sure of was if Stevenson would play on the left-hand side of a diamond or if he'd play left-back. Mm. And Jorge Claros played left-back, didn't he? 
Abbey. Package Abbey was uh, sort of maybe. Yeah. Oh, Kajabi left. Sorry, Doherty right. Claros uh, and McPake. So Stevenson would have played left, yeah. No, it was Hanlon and McPake. Have you done your research for this? No, I've just got no. the lineup. <laughs> I was just thinking, the one that does the research. I was, I was just thinking Clare. what what Lockie's talking Clare's about. Claros was man. in midfield. Was in Gary midfield. O'Connor in goal. <laughs> but, but Lockie talking about that's why he played. Sus- I thought Templeton was out for the final because he wasn't in the he wasn't even in the squad. He didn't he didn't make the bench. He was my roommate the night before. Was he fit for the final? In my head, he yeah, wasn't he was even fit. fit. Was he? I yeah, he was fit. So I, that was that, so he got told in the morning that he wouldn't even be in the squad. Ouch! Well, Pritchenko um, was on the bench as oh well. Christ! Yeah, exactly. So I think he was bitterly dis. I'm not going to speak for Temps because I don't know the situation, but I think that was a big moment for him. Does that make sense? That yes. like mm-hmm. Pachenko mm-hmm. got in front of him and then three months later, Rangers come in and I think he's a bit like, well, come on, like, you know, I couldn't even get on the bench a couple of months pr- earlier. You know, I think sometimes people maybe miss that. But yeah. Again, I don't know. Could, Temps could say, what are you talking about? Guys are talking shit, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think if I was in his position, I would have felt that I've done enough to warrant a place on the bench. I think Meditao was on the bench as well. Yeah, he played. Yeah. He came on. Yeah, he came on, didn't he? Um, you know, I, I remember being a little bit like, oh, I would have temps on the bench. Do you know what I mean? Because like, you don't know how the game's going to go. But if you if we had a bench of Beattie, Templeton, do you know what I mean? Like, imagine if that game was like 1-1 mm-hmm. and, we've, and Beats is already on. No offense to the, the players that we've mentioned, but like it leaves it a little bit. You know, what do we have on the bench? Whereas if you had Temps coming on the last twenty minutes, like he was, he was a very good player. You know, well, there wasn't was a, a defender on the bench though. I mean, Prichenko could defend better than than Templeton. But if you went with Templeton, you'd have Templeton, Towle, and Robinson and Beatty as your four outfield players. Mm. So that that's then, maybe his argument. Yeah, but then we felt that we then had Darren Barr. So that like yeah, um, Paolo liked that. And, dropped back, yeah, yeah. Paolo liked that a couple of times because even a few games it laid on, they'd bring someone on and I'd maybe shift in next to Webby and yes. we could kind of move that. So Paolo kind of liked that in terms of he, he felt he had almost five proper defenders on the pitch that he could then shuffle her around. Mm-hmm. He was very good at making subs, two subs for one um, in terms of, of bringing someone on but being able to shuffle the, the starting eleven to allow it to be two different positions that have been changed and, and go from there. And he's, he's done that a couple of times throughout that season, which probably went under the radar a little bit. So you mentioned Darren Barr. 15th minute of play, Andy Driver swings a corner into the box. Darren Barr ends up stabbing the ball home, of course. Did you assist. get an assist for it? I have no idea. <laughs> I feel on reflection I should. But I remember at the time just being like, yes, like we've, that's what we. That's what our fear was. We wouldn't score, and that they would score. So I, I as soon as Darren Barr scored, I felt like they're not going to score too. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, oh, they're not going to score too. And Darren Barr has just scored, and he's a good guy. And we've just scored in the Scottish Cup final. I just remember being like, yes, this is it. We're going to do it. And Scatchell made it 2-0. Um, now, during the celebrations, so if you see the cameras, players are hugging, uh, Ian Black's shouting at the camera. Um, who are you shouting at, though? Um, who knows? Because you, you... I think I'm just shouting at someone that I've 
looks like you're looking at hips fans, I have to say. <laughs> Is there not the hips fans yeah. over that well, corner? So, so we, but again, you need to remember, it's Rudy that scored, and he's like, run over there. <laughs> they're 2-0 down after like half an hour, and they're gone like berserk. And we're just like, oh. <laughs> there's no better feeling. You just stand there, and they're all going crazy at you. And you're thinking, oh, we're at, like, I remember thinking 2-0 up, this could be... We're like going to win this easily, and then Suso has a shot, and McPate clears it off the line at mm-hmm. like 35 minutes. I remember thinking if that went in, like that's three nil, and in, in the first 40 minutes it could have been anything. Then James, then McPate scores, and I remember going in at halftime thinking, "Holy shit! Like it's only two one. Like well, imagine we like it was a whole different mindset in the change rooms for me personally." From 40 minutes, that that last five minutes changed that whole complexion of it. I felt um, at half time. Were you worried at all? I wasn't worried in terms of I didn't think they'd then go on and score two, but I was worried for the fact that I felt that they would have a spell in the game because I felt they didn't have a spell. Mm-hmm. So I always believe in every game, no matter how much you're defending, you're going to have 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the game where you get a corner or you, or you create something. Yeah. And I felt that Hibs hadn't done that yet and it was still only 2-1. I would have felt a lot more comfortable at, at 2-0, but it also gave us a chance to, to maybe just refocus and just know that, okay, like we had off, we had a, a really good start and we were playing well. We all were playing well and they probably weren't playing to their potential, but just, you know, like this is a cup final, it can change very quickly and, and, and be careful. And I think half-time... Like heaps of people always say to me, like, well, why did you not go for like 10? You know, it should have been 10 or it should have been 7 or it should have been this or that. But I think half time not scared us a little bit, but you know, football can change very quickly. And there would have been nothing worse than if we were like 3 or 4 1 up and we'd gone a little bit gung ho and they snuck one. Do you know what I mean? Like, stranger things have happened. So I think, um, yeah, I think half time put a little bit of nerves into us in terms of it is only 2 1 and it is a cup final and this could go one way or the other. Do you remember what Sergio said at the break? Was there any particular instructions, anything he he wasn't happy with about how things had gone? Uh, he wasn't, no, he was, he was pretty happy with, with how we had played. Um, he just wanted us to keep the like, ball moving quickly. Um, Blackie like, was playing really well in terms of getting the ball and switching it and because of their numbers um, in the midfield, they couldn't get out to me and Danny, so we felt that we were creating a lot of 2v1s on the outside. Um Kunjabi had already been booked. The driver had like done really well against Doherty. Sleeves had been running with two centre backs. Like we just felt that if we just had to keep playing as we're playing, and the and the big thing was like don't play the cup final. You know, just play it as as you're being two one up and you want, and you want to score a few more goals. Don't start going into your shell like wanting to hold the lead or or anything like that. But still, you know, he was saying to like me and Danny, only go when you when you can go. Um, Darren Barr, make sure you're being that protective spot. You know, just everything that you'd you'd normally be kind of saying in terms of being two one up in a cup final against the team that you've beaten three times previously and had played really well against. So it was it was no real big speech or or you know change of formation. It was basically continue as as you were, but just be very careful of you know um, letting them back in the game as such. Was it mentioned at halftime by Paolo Sergio that Paco Jabi was on a yellow card and to, to, if you get the opportunity, run at him, which ultimately led to the penalty for Hearts to go 3-1 up? Yeah, yeah, that was it. It was 
there was a bigger thing. I think they had a couple of players on a yellow card at halftime. Um, I think, or I think Doherty was like really close. He'd given away a couple of fouls, so we were just like just keep getting at the at the fullbacks because um, both of the fullbacks I think were were struggling with me and Danny overlapping, which allowed the Suso and Driver to come inside, but at the same time they could also take them on the outside. Um, so just to just to keep doing that, and and especially on on our side was for me especially just keep overlapping and just keep like putting them into into two different minds. Um, whereas Danny Granger was a bit like leave driver in a one v one situation, um, and then you can kind of get that deep cross that he had in. So um, yeah, there was like a few little different bits and pieces of instructions, but but nothing nothing drastic as such. Did you think it was a penalty at the time when Suso obviously runs yeah, uh, runs yeah. into the box and gets gets pulled back by Kajabi? Yeah, at the time I think it's a a penalty, and it's not until like you slow it down and you see that camera angle from behind that you realise that it's still a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> no, that it's just that it's just outside the box. But um, yeah, I, I just remember thinking I originally thought. I didn't. I'd forgotten that um, he had got it. I thought because they originally give it to Hanlon. I'm sure you don't quite see it, but um, Craig Thompson originally gives Hanlon a yellow card. I think it's the linesman that tells it's, it's Kanjavi that's that's done the foul, so he gets sent off. It's one of those where I was um, suitably refreshed at the game. Um, I wasn't working at that point. Mark was a thick. No, you weren't either, were you? You weren't there, Mark, were you? Um, uh, yeah, I was there with mum and dad. Yeah, uh, it wasn't working. Yeah. But um, but and then when you look back in the the camera, it's still doing the replay, isn't it? So it kind of comes. It only the camera actually comes back as Kajabi's been sent off. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I've ever actually seen much of the the card being shown. So you might be right yeah, about so, that. Yeah, because I remember being pretty sure shouting at Craig Thompson that it wasn't Hanlon that gives it. I think it's on the BBC that you see Hanlon like like having his hands up like what are you doing like it, it wasn't me and then you see there's a footage somewhere and you see Craig Thompson and he's kind of like looking around being like oh and then he and then he goes and gives it to Kanjabi I'm just thinking Hibs fans would probably say it would be typical Craig Thompson to get Pa Kajabi and Paul Hanlon mixed up <laughs> um, but it's it's Danny Granger who steps up now I remember at the time being being very surprised was was had that been planned was was Danny the yeah. penalty taker that day I couldn't remember that I remember being like what the hell is he doing because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was like but I was in the stand because <laughs> I, I remember being like penalty like yes like buzzing but then my role was like back I was back up the pitch so I was up at the halfway line and then I'm like looking to see like who's taking it. I'm like what's Danny doing I'm like, oh Danny's taking it and then I'm like well, I don't know if I've ever seen Danny take a penalty <laughs> It's a fucking cup final. What's he doing? <laughs> What's he doing? But we had done penalties the day before, and it, <laughs> I think Sleeves mentioned it in like the thing that we did at the weekend. Was everyone kept <laughs> everyone missed? Like, everyone was missing. <laughs> Jamie McDonald and like Ridges and that they were saving everything. And I remember like we were kind of joking, being like, "Oh fuck, we hope it doesn't go to penalties tomorrow because we've all bloody just missed." But Danny scored like you had to take five penalties in a row. That was it. And Danny, I think, scored four out of five. Um, and Sergio was like making you walk from halfway line. So we're at Rickerton, being like, what the fuck are we doing? We're walking from halfway line. 
all the way down and then you'd take a penalty. It took us ages and then you had to walk back and walk back down. And Danny was like pretty good at him. But what he did, kept, he always went that side. I got three. I was going to take one. Oh, so, so you could have you could have been p- potentially one training ground penalty away from being the man stepping up to take that. <laughs> oh, I would have never taken it in the game. No, no. no imagine if I put the <laughs> imagine the outcry if we got a penalty at two one and the Hearts fans seen me put the ball on the spot. <laughs> someone would have ran on and just kicked the ball away and said, "Lads, change it here, someone." Rudy, what are you doing, mate? Don't let him take one. So, I'm, I'm surprised someone like Scatchel wasn't. So he didn't. He didn't get four out of five. I take it then in, in training, Scatchel. But see, like he he was just rattled. He was just hitting it as hard as he could. So like, it was one of those ones. I think it bounced off ridges and then one hit Jammer. But he didn't like penalties at all. No. He he, he didn't fancy him at all. Well, so he he um, was. Uh, do you remember? Um, and I always thought I wondered. Yeah, I was going to say because you were you were. Playing for Hearts I at took, that point. I took one. I took one that night. Did you score it? I can't have to remember that game. I can't believe you even asked me if I. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would have scored in the cup final as well. I would have had a double. Because uh, Rudy double. Because Darren Barr got sent off in that. I'm, I'm fast forwarding to a game I wasn't even going to mention. He got sent off. It was Dungeon United <laughs> Hearts at Tanadice, and so he got to penalty kicks. And obviously, because Hearts had got a man down. United had to forfeit one player not to take a kick, and it was just like, oh, Scatter just said, "I'm not taking one against Hearts. Fuck that." <laughs> yeah, but I think I think he were I do think he was going to take one. I don't know if he officially ruled himself out. I, again, getting distracted. I remember that game. Dylan was taking the next one. The against Dundee United at Tannadice, and I remember shitting myself in case he missed it. <laughs> I actually, did I he, more, I so he didn't have to take Dylan. this one then? He didn't have to take it, no. but he was next because I'm ah. sure they missed. Sean Dillon missed. He hit the post and missed, and we won it. But Dillon was next. I remember we won, but that's about it. I, blo- I blocked out a lot yeah. of that season. Um, yeah, I scored, I scored my penalty. <laughs> well done. You could you could just Thank lie you. anyway, because I can't remember. Um, yeah. Danny Granger's obviously scored. Now, you've got almost half the game remaining. Hebb's down to 10 men. You must have been thinking, right, we can we can really do something here. We can batter them at this point. Um, yeah, a little bit. And then I remember um, they shot from half. They shot from kickoff. You're reading my notes. I swear to God. I was like, what? <laughs> my next note is immediately after the goal. Gary O'Connor shoots from kickoff. <laughs> yeah. So I remember they shoot from kickoff, and I remember like we we're all looking around, being like, "We got them here." Like, not like they had given up but we were a little bit like it is only like 3-1 it's like 2-0 the most dangerous scoreline in football so technically it's 2-0 and he's shooting from halfway line mm-hmm. like what's he doing do you know what I mean I remember Webby being like we've got him here like let's go like let's get out and and then driver wins a corner yeah and I remember this the corner again we worked on it the day before um and everyone was like it's not going to work like who? Like why are they just gonna let Rudy like cruise in to the edge of the box for a free shot? Yeah, we'll play the clip. So a minute later, another corner from the left. And what a difference is made after Hibs pulled themselves back into contention. Granger takes this. Schedule. They've scored again. Ryan McGowan's having that one after Elliot helped it on, and Hearts are staring at Scottish Cup glory. Their Edinburgh rivals. Well, 
Scatcher runs off Lee Griffiths, who just stands and watches him. And Danny, Danny just passes it to like the edge of the box, and Rudy runs in and, and has a shot. But the day before in training is exactly like what happens in the game. Like it's quite difficult for Rudy to like hit it across his body. Like he, so he kind of scuffs it, and he kept doing it the day before. And we're like, it's not going to work. Like just keep, just cross it in because we had big boys in the box. And then, yeah, just again that movement to the back post is the movement that creates the goal. <laughs> Skatchel knocks it towards goal. Stephen Elliott flicks it past the keeper. But but there you are. You're stealing another goal because was it, was, yeah, that, was I, that going in as I well? Also, I also <laughs> think that um, I'm pretty sure it's Matt Doherty that's marking me. I feel that he could clear that. <laughs> I think you're actually right. I'm winding you up, but you were getting a bit of a reputation. Yeah, I just remember being again like I couldn't believe that that was that was happening and it was just like oh at that moment it was like like what i was saying earlier like all those people saying to me that i couldn't make it all the like phone calls to parents like being like i don't want to be here anymore it's too cold like homesickness <laughs> missing like you know best mates 21st 18th you know christmases away from family in that 10 seconds just made everything like worthwhile and um, yeah, I think this <laughs> the celebration's a bit embarrassing looking back on it, but I think everyone was doing this. Like, oh, like everyone slags me for it, but everyone else was doing it. Like, if you watch the clips, like Rudy's jumping around, everyone was just buzzing. So I don't, I don't get the hate that they give me about my celebrations because I think it's what everyone else was doing in that same situation. Um, Anne Waddle actually says, uh, tweeted, how high do you reckon you leapt after scoring that goal? Because it is a great shot. There's a great still. Yeah, and, when a slow-mo. Yeah, and you look like you could be doing a slam dunk. You're, you're a fair distance off the ground. Yeah. Oh, got like that. Yeah. If you could bottle that up, it would be a pretty good uh, thing to have kept in. But, yeah, I just remember, I think everyone was like, yeah, that's it. Like, you just won it. Like, that's it, finished. I just remember being like, I, was, I remember Rudy scoring and just being like, even before that, I didn't even care if he scored or didn't score. It was like the last 30 minutes. I was just like, I want to score another one. I want like, I want to just keep <laughs> scoring. Like, I just want this game to like never stop, never stop. It was just the best, the best last half an hour. And like people say like, oh, the last half an hour was like pretty boring. But I just remember being like, this is the best experience ever. There's not many cup finals that you get to enjoy like the last 30 minutes. Like crowd was all laying it. Like you just tell like the whole stadium was, well, half the stadium was having the best time of its of its life and it was just yeah it was a, a really good a really good um a way to experience it kieran mclaughlin said um jamie mcdonald recently admitted he spewed in the back of the net before the game kicked off do you realize you slid straight through it when you scored in the second half could not care anyways <laughs> slide through it a million times I would have, even if you i would have just yeah it was just, that was the, the best. I just can't believe I got up so quickly from, I, got, I feel like one minute I was almost eating the net and the next minute I was at the corner flag. Everyone was just jumping around, going crazy. And um, I remember, I think it was Stephen Elliott or Darren Barr telling me after I scored that they thought I was offside. And I remember thinking, oh, like, oh no, like, am I offside? You know when you like, you've just lost your minute. And if you look back and you slow it down, someone 
like checks. They all check. I think it's Danny Granger like puts his hands on his head and then puts his hand like he celebrates and puts his hands on his head like oh no he's offside. Um, but that was like the big thing, being like oh my god, like I thought you were going to be offside <laughs> after all that celebrating as well. So, yeah, I'd have been knackered for the next half an hour. You you mentioned um, obviously Hearts fans saying it should have been ten or seven or whatnot. Um, why did you only score one more goal? And I don't mean obviously you personally, as, as a team. So 40 minutes remaining, four went up. Was there any conscious effort to take the foot off the gas at all? Some people have said that Paolo, that, that Paolo did have the team kind of sit back a little bit more. Or was that just the way the, the game ended up going? Yeah, I think it was a, a little bit of both. I think we like we just made sure that we took the sting out of the game a little bit. Like We made sure that they didn't get any little glimmers of hope. Um, so I think like we all needed to like settle down for like five, ten minutes. Do you know what I mean? We'd just gone from like two one up to four one up and there were a man sent down in like the space of six, seven minutes. So I think everyone just needed to like, oh, like take a breath. Like this is what's happening. Um, and then I think they went into the, obviously they were just like, even McPake said they were just like, right, everyone back. Um, and it's not that hard to like, do you mean like we didn't have to score anymore? They weren't going to come out. It's a bit like, well, what would you mean? What are we going to do? I remember feeling like a bit like we could possibly go for more, but I was on the other side of the pitch, so I don't know what pa- Paolo was saying in terms of like the near side. But Lockie was probably saying go for ten. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's easier to say go for ten or go for six or go for seven. It's like, do you mean if it was that easy, you just do it every game? Like they do. So it is like, you know, it's pretty hard to score goals. Um, so, yeah, I think sometimes they just get a little bit greedy going for going for 10. But it does have that feel about it because of, you know, we were 4-1 up after you know, 58 minutes against 10 men. But at the same time, if you know, 5-1 still a pretty good trousing. Not a bad pumping, is it? Did you ever, um, you actually played under McPake in one game, didn't you, Dundee? He was... Yeah. Did, did you ever talk to him about that game? <laughs> so when I went back to Dundee, he was the youth team manager. Yeah. So as soon as I went in, I was just like... It was probably one of the first times I've seen him since. And he's just, as soon as he seen me, he's like, don't don't you dare. <laughs> I was like, last time I seen you, when was that? When do you reckon that was? Um, so, yeah, I just used to tell him basically every day remember when I scored but he used to say I scored in the game as well like but but yeah no it was good good banter he used to just give me a little bit of stick so he was the yeah youth team manager at the time and then he took charge like the last couple of couple of weeks when I was at Dundee but um yeah he was obviously I have to remind him of that assist for Tim Cahill at the World Cup or that goal in the cup final asks Perth to Paisley. What was the biggest high out of the two of those? Pretty good highs to have, to compare. Um, <laughs> uh, I think from a personal point of view, like obviously scoring, because like no one can take that away from me, whereas everyone says that like it was just an aimless cross, which I disagree with, but it was a long pass um, with Cahill's goal, but um, yeah, I've been very lucky. Like I said earlier, I've played in some massive games, and to have said that I'll appear and you know have three appearances at a World Cup, to you know having an assist, to scoring in a Scottish Cup final, scored in a Chinese Cup final, 
like I have had some some really good moments, but um, I think playing for your country always trumps anything you do for your club. But I think scoring against Hibs in a cup final and winning five one is um, is right up there. I think, oh, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's right up there. I'd never, uh, I don't know. I, I just like to put them in club and international categories. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Well, let's but, play a quick. Um, Let's play a quick game, right? I'm going to go through every player that you played with that day. I just need you to say the first thing that comes to mind about that player. Let's start. Jamie McDonald. His save in the... Se- oh, can I say a sentence? Or does that have to be one word? It's your rules. It's your, it's your podcast. You can do what the hell you want. Uh, his save in the semi-final. Oh, Celtic. Yeah. Mm. One of the best uh, saves I've seen, I think, live and doesn't get spoken about. Good point. So, uh, his save. Da- Danny... Or oh, Granny Danger. <laughs> massive, massive... Boulder head. <laughs> Sniper's dream. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Speaking from experience. Um, wonder if he gets called Easter Island. <laughs> um, Andy Webster. Legend. Nice work. Darren Barr. Great guy. I was yeah, so glad that so, he scored in the in the final. And look, just the look on his face and what it meant for for him and every and how everyone was so happy. Yeah, because uh, he he had got a bit of a tough time when he first signed. Remember, everyone had like high yeah. expectations yeah, when he and signed, he, and he got a off a bit of a on. yeah, he got off a rocky start. Um, we got knocked out by Falkirk away, and he didn't have a particularly good game. And like that, like he would kind of took the hit for that game. And like for a long time, it was like me might not come back from that. But you know, he used to just. He was a great professional to have like around the club and like that you can see when he scored like he was so well respected and liked in that change room that that everyone just that loved him and, and was buzzing that he scored. Marius Zaliukas. Skipper. Suso Santana. Little angry man. He's an angry, <laughs> angry man. Didn't speak a word of English, so no one knew what he was saying, but he was just angry. <laughs> Ian Black. <laughs> Lord Farquhar. Oh. Look, he's a spinning image of Lord Farquhar from um, Shrek. <laughs> uh, Stephen Elliott. Great guy. Again, like did a lot of hard work that went unnoticed, but another one that was great to have around in the changing rooms and um, yeah, really was really a like a little unsung hero that in his spell at Hearts, I feel he done really well for us. I have to say, I know you're, you you came up with Lord Farquhar for Ian Black, but Chalar Soyuncu, the Leicester defender, has got that one sewn up as far as the yeah, goals. He's very much like that, isn't he? Rudy Scatchel. Legend. Proper legend. Okay, give me the proper pronunciation of his surname. Um, I just keep thinking of Scott Wilson, how he says it. Rudy Scatchel. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, yeah. I don't know. I used to just, is it? I used yeah, to call him Rudolph. That's what, Rudolph. He used to, that's what he used to come up on Sky Sports when he scored that's on right. Rudolph. Rudolph Scat, yeah, and he scored a lot at the start of that season. Andrew Driver. Screw, that was his nickname. Because? So screw. Screw Driver. Oh, I can't believe I asked that. Here's <laughs> me going down a road of, of him having uh, nocturnal activities, and it's just a simple screwdriver. Screw driver. <laughs> yeah. Um, Craig Beattie. Just all, constantly in the bath. Old, old man. <laughs> old, did, he have man. A, did he have a problem with personal hygiene or was he just lazy? 
No, he was just always in the bath. He said that the hot water like helped his body and that, so he was just constantly in the bath. Scott Robinson. A little Energizer Bunny. A Meditowel. Uh, yeah, good guy. Just um, great, great little player in small side games. He wanted to be on his team. Can you hear the baby? Can we hear the baby? Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering when you're going to get hauled away from the <laughs> one house. Uh, I was winding Steph up because she was born on the 17th. I said if she was born on the 19th, she would have been called Rudolph Darren McGowan. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get in trouble here. No, yeah. Mehdi was a great little player for, for five-a-side. Really quiet, but yeah, good little guy. How drunk were you by the time you got back to Tynecastle? <laughs> Well, I was up there. I was drunk getting on the bus. I remember because it took us so long getting out of the changing rooms. And then, yeah, everyone was just hammered. The bus was so good because all the all the Hearts supporters buses were going along, like, next to us. But they obviously had no idea that it was us inside it. So it was really good, like, watching all the fans being like, you know, because they, they, everyone's looking in to see each other's bus. Yeah. And then when they clicked that it was us, they'd be going mental and... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was just it was just so good. I remember getting that time pass from like loads of fans out the front. Yeah, just like beyond everyone's wildest dreams. But the the Sunday was the Sunday was really good as well. And the and the Monday and the Tuesday and the Wednesday. Was... <laughs> MJK's question on the Sunday: Do you remember going to Dalkeith Miners Club? And do you recall where you, Danny Granger, Lockie, and any others who came along from the first team ended? up any stories from that night yeah so again like so the parade had finished um and we'd all got we'd all got steam and like during the parade like in that chambers place we just everyone was just hammered and then we were all going to like different places but um we we're finishing off at time castle and we we're gonna go to the casino i think it was or we we're gonna go to like some bar in town and We'd got there, but a few of the foreign boys had like left. They were like flying out the next day, and they had left. And um, we were just about we were just about to leave, and Lockie called us, being like, "Oh, you need to come up to Woodburn Club. There's only like maybe 10, 50, 50 people in there. Free drink, like it's it's shut door kind of thing. Um, and we'll just be gone. Like, just come along. You're not going to get pestered because that was a big thing. Like, if we're going to get pestered, and um, yeah, so we're like, all right, Lockie, like, yeah, calm down. We'll probably head up there later on, but we're not going to go out to bloody Dalkeith when we just won the cup. But town was, like, pretty dead at the time, so we just thought, all right, we'll just go. So it was me, Danny, a couple of my mates all went. Oh, it was unbelievable. It was, like, four, like 300 people in that. It's called Woodburn Club. And it was just, yeah, there was, like, no barman. There was no money, like, being – everyone was just pouring drinks everywhere. Um, playing like all the good songs, like all the hearts, like that. That had the what's that called? Um, sunshine, is it? This is Daddy Sunshine. Song. Okay, yeah. see in a sunshine like, band. That was like that felt like the only song that was getting played like the whole night and the beat. Yeah, levels. give it up. Yeah, yeah. We just like we ended up we were crowd surfing <laughs> <laughs> for ages. We were crowd surfing like me, Lockie, and Danny Granger, and that's what everyone, there's a one photo on Twitter. Someone always sends it to me, and it's just me like crowd surfing me and Danny. We must have been crowd surfing for about 20 minutes. How much did you, did you go home much between Saturday the 19th of no. May? Did you say like Tuesday or Wednesday? Was there something? Yeah, so it was about the Friday. The Friday <laughs> after. 
or the Thursday. Thursday I had a night off, um, and then because it was a weekend again, we went back because everyone kind of went back to work on Wednesday, so I didn't really have anyone to to drink, drink with. with. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was good. That whole week was was amazing, and even now, still, it's good to to go into certain pubs and, and catch up with everybody and, and see how they're getting on. So who else was? So you was it was it just like mates you were out with, or did a few of the players last the last the duration of your bender? Um, a bit of both. So like a few fell by the wayside, and then they'd come back out. So we had like um, like driver came out. Driver was probably the main one because we had Jason Thompson's wedding on the Saturday, the following Saturday. So there was a lot of us that had stayed until then, um, before we like flew home. So. Um, Jason Thompson's wedding was on the Saturday, so that was kind of like the the end of the bender. <laughs> but there are a few a few people worse for wear by that point, surely. Yeah, and all Jason's family are like massive Hearts fans, yeah. so that that wedding was went down a lot better than if we had lost the weekend before. Uh, Flitch asks, other than the cup final, what's your favourite game for Hearts, and also your biggest regret in football? It's two extremes in that question. Um. Best best game other than cup final was probably semi final. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest regret? Don't really have that. Or cliche? Don't really have any regrets. Do wonder like if I'd stayed at Hearts a bit longer, like what would have happened? But um, yeah, probably no real regrets because still still feel I got a lot more football in me. So don't really have any regrets as such. I might do once I once I finish, but at the <laughs> moment no real regrets. If Rangers hadn't have been in the fourth tier. Would you have gone to Ibrox? That's that's one of those. If your auntie had balls, she'd be uncle, wouldn't she? <laughs> you don't know because that's the situation that they were in at that time. So, um, I, I really, I really don't know. Again, I was kind of under the impression if they were staying in the Premier League, would they have wanted to sign me? Um, so yeah, I, I don't know that situation. I would have had to have taken it as it came, but. I'd have liked to think I would have stayed. I wish you hadn't listened as well at that bloody media training because yeah. I was wanting some sort of decent answer there, and I get I, know. I get the sensible answer. Jeez. Yeah, that is a sense. That was a good media training from when I was younger. E- excellent answer. Don't give anything away that they don't deserve. Yeah, very true. So season 2012-13, um, Paolo Sergio's left, uh, Scatchel Black, Elliot Suso, and BT. Among others, John McGlynn comes in, Hearts looking to cut back, promote some younger players. Um, now, I want to quickly talk about your next game after the cup final. This is non-competitive. I was actually at this game. It was testimonial game for another lorry, Ellis, that is, for Wraith Rovers at Starks Park. Now, one thing I remember about this game, you were not in your normal position. Um, tell me where you were playing and what number you were wearing that game. It was number 10, wasn't it? You were. I think it was ten. Yeah, I was playing like. Um, Did John McGlynn really think he could make you a, a number ten? No, I don't think I was like a like the traditional ten. I was more like a just a box to box, like uh-huh. a an eight, similar to like maybe what Darren Barr had done the previous year in terms of like I think he wanted to try like a few players. I think Callum Patterson was playing right back, so he wanted Cal yeah. to play. Just kind of had lost a couple of leaders. Um, and just use like my energy and my athleticism in the in the middle of the pitch. But yeah, I think probably on hindsight, if I was wearing like number eight, maybe it wouldn't have been a, a bigger thing. But um, like I was buzzing. I, I'm sure I got an assist that game. Um, 
So for Callum's opening goal, or was it for? I think it was the second one. I think Temps scored. Right. You've been very generous with your time, so we'll try and get through the rest of this pretty quickly. Liverpool, both legs. You played every minute. Um, obviously, the home one we lost one nil. Anfield, where's that in your career highlights? Yeah, it's right up there. Um, I always kind of feel bad. I gave the ball away <laughs> for the for the goal. I gave it away like way up the pitch. I didn't give it away, but I always kind of that annoys me that I gave that ball away. It kind of is one of those Webby moments where I'm like, Webby was like, you give him the ball away, and that's what's caused the goal. Like no one would ever say that, but from a personal point of view, I'm just a bit like, oh, like why did I? Why did I lose that? It would have been good to, to take him to extra time. But, um, yeah, I just remember, like, temps scoring and being like, oh, Jesus, like, we could, you know, we're equal here. It could go to extra time. It could go to penalties. And, um, yeah, that was that was right up there again, similar to Spurs in terms of, like, all the fans were there. And, um, yeah, just a really, really good atmosphere and something that you can look back on and say you played at Anfield, which is which is a great place to play. So you reject Rangers. Uh, we talked about that. But come January, you would leave the club. £400,000 bid came in from Chinese Super League club Shandong Luneng Taishan. Was, was it a tough decision to make at the time? Yeah, like, like I touched on earlier, I'd kind of been told that I'd be going to the highest bidder. And um, yeah, China was the highest bidder. It did go through my mind. There was a few like pre-contract offers um, that I thought mm, possibly could sign, but um, yeah, it was, it was a combination of they were the highest bidder, um, and yeah, it was good money at the time. It was money that Hearts desperately needed. Like I th- I'm pretty sure it was signed at like the first at 12:01. Like the earliest time that they could have signed it because I didn't even play. I wanted to play in the derby. There was a derby on the second at Tynecastle, um, and they're like, "There's, there's no way you're going to play in that because imagine you get injured and we're going to like lose this money." Yeah. And I like, I try to speak to my agent, try to get Shangdong to have like, even if I did get injured, let me kind of have one last hurrah, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was it, and um, yeah, I think I, I've. I think I actually flew on the first or the second. I think I flew the morning of the, that game. Um, so, yeah, that was hard. It was probably a lot harder than I thought it would be leaving Hearts because I'd been there for for so long, probably in the shadows, like the, most of it. And it's probably the last 18 months of my time at Hearts that was kind of played out in the, in the public or in the first team. But, you know, I made a lot of friends there and um, really loved loved the city. Like, I still come back here and... Um, yeah, it was probably a lot harder than, than I thought it would be. When you were over there, you had guys like Walter Montijo, the Argentine, a decent player, Wagner Love, who they signed mm. for $12 million, the striker, and, and two or three other Brazilians. So how difficult was, was pre-match uh, team talks when you had a Brazilian coach when you won the, the Chinese Cup? Um, was it like translation to translation to translation? Yeah, so it was... He would... He would talk and then the interpreter would put it into Chinese and then my interpreter would put it into English so I was like always like 10 minutes behind everyone I felt um, and then I wanted my own I wanted a Portuguese into English but 
I was only I was only a little dog in a in a big big fish, so um I just got stuck with the Chinese <laughs> the Chinese translator, so I had to wait um for for that to happen. But um yeah, you know that was a massive a massive club with big ambitions and um yeah lucky to play in the played in the Asian Champions League against Diego Forlan um yeah and like you said got to score in a, a Chinese Cup final which was which was pretty good and um. You know, those circumstances were quite good in terms of we'd won the first leg 3-1 and it was played over two legs and then we're 2-0 down in the in the second leg. And I scored in the 94th or 95th minute. Um, so I've we won the, on I've away goals. First, I've got the first leg finishing 4-2. With 4-2, yeah. Yeah, Wagner love hat-trick. So you needed the goal that you scored in the fifth minute of added time. Um, What's which, the goal that won it for us? Yeah. yeah. Similar to your Scottish Cup final goal, actually, in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it's a diving header from like inside the six-yard box. But it's um, our goalie comes up because it's like we have to score, and um, it's like a big pile, and the ball just drops, and I'm, I'm just diving header. It's actually quite a good. Well, I felt a good finish, and then um, a yeah, good celebration. Top comes straight, yeah, top <laughs> comes straight off and and into the little the Chinese crowd. But they're like it was in the stadium, you know, where you can't get up to them. So I just did a. A big lap, but yeah, that was probably 95th, 95th minute. Yep. And mm-hmm. Every time I go back to China now, like even if it's with a national team or like with Champions League games, I always have Shandong fans like messaging me and um, yeah, a little bit of a cult hero for for that goal because it was the first time they had won the cup in a a little while, and um, I don't think they've won the cup since actually. So it's um, yeah, good little memories for me. Before that, you obviously played in the World Cup for Australia and. Uh, we've talked about the the assist for Tim Cahill when you made it easy. Finish was all right, but it was all about the pass. <laughs> yeah. But um, that really wasn't your best contribution in that match against the Netherlands, though, was it? Because despite the fact you were an Aussie international, playing in Brazil, playing in club football in China, you still managed to piss off a lot of Hibs fans. Um, <laughs> talk, talk us through how you did that, because Odd Shape Balls messaged us and said, did your Aussie teammates know about the 5-1? Yes, yeah, so that was... Um... Yeah, that was that caused the chaos at the time. But I was the one that was setting up the the wall, mm-hmm. so I was the the one on the edge of the wall. So it was six players, the kid was shouting six. So I was like six, and then it seen that it was on obviously on the on the TV at the game, and I knew <laughs> that I had the, the like my hands out as the five one. <laughs> and then it was literally, if you watch the footage, it's like I don't know half a second that I'm on. And I got back in after the change rooms. I totally forgot about it. My phone was going crazy. And um, I was like, what is it? Because sometimes in the stadiums, it's not what gets shown mm-hmm. broadcast. And it was that like clip that, and everyone had obviously screenshotted it. And I was like, oh, works out. It <laughs> works out relatively well for me. And um, yeah, like heaps of the boys, like the Aussies were like, oh, we don't really know what it means. But yeah, it went down really well with with half of Edinburgh and <laughs> I think the other half just it just annoys them doesn't it really yeah you, you, you've got a, you've got a knack for doing that um, well as Mark says we don't want to take up too much more of your time but quickly firing through some more things you obviously came back to Scotland with Dundee United was it weird when you came back to Tynecastle as a as an opposition player um it, yeah it wasn't it wasn't like I, I remember I got a really good reception um which I didn't think I was going to get a bad one but I remember just being like well that was a lot better than than I thought it would be. Um, and then even like only last year we, when I was at Dundee and we played Hearts um, at Den's Dower game, but 
you know, I got a massive reception when I when I went off, and you know, from a personal point of view, it's it's always good to to be remembered fondly by by fans, and um, yeah, it, it was weird playing playing against them because I'd I'd been at like I said earlier, I've been at the club for six years, although not always in the first team. So, um, you know, I definitely have a really strong affiliation with, you know, not only, but probably not so much like the fans as such, because I have had lots of moments, but it's like everyone, Mark, you know, like behind the scenes. Yeah. That had a really good, um, well, I felt like I had a really good relationship with, and, you know, a lot of us had been through a lot of, you know, stuff going on with like not being paid and, seen people lose their jobs and you know all the kind of girls that you know worked in the ticket office and the media guys feel you know there's loads of them that are still there and it's you know I do enjoy sometimes going back and I remember at Dens Park I was sitting chatting to I'm sure it was Phil Gogsy you know kit man speaking to him for you know half an hour 35 minutes about you know all the crazy things that used to happen and you know I think it's good for them also because like I remember Gogsy you know, he used to say to me once when I was a young boy, you know, this will be you one day, like as I'm sweeping Tynecastle after the game. And then, you know, eventually once I was a first team player and after the cup final, you know, he would come over and be like, you know, I told you one day you'd make it. And now you've got, you know, these kids that are, are cleaning your boots or cleaning up after you. And, you know, I think it's sometimes good for, for those people behind the scenes to see someone come through and, and do well for themselves. And yeah, it's, it's just a lot of good memories for me yet. Yeah. Here's one for you. 11 days after you were born in August 1989, a player called Husref Muzumic scored for Hearts <laughs> in a 1-0 win against Hibs at Tynecastle. But there's a suggestion, he wasn't very good, and there's a suggestion we signed the wrong player, and it was maybe his brother that we signed. Um, when you moved to Al Sharjah in the UAE in August 2017, um, did they mean to sign you or did they actually want your brother? Because there was a wee bit of confusion about that, wasn't there? Yeah, they, they put um, Dylan's, I think they put Dylan's picture or his, 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 his highlights. highlights. Was it his yeah. highlights? They put Dylan's highlights on, um, what's it called? Twitter. Twitter. Is it Twitter or Instagram or something? Some social media, yeah. Some social media, I can't remember. I was too worried about trying to actually sign the contract but um yeah i'm pretty sure that it was me that were meant to sign it but um yeah it was just one of those ones that i don't think they even they didn't they didn't know it's just one of those ones that i think it was a guy somewhere that said we've just signed mcgown can you get his highlights and he's thought there's no chance there's two of them that play football and um <laughs> put dylan's highlights up and yeah it was just one of those things it was just an honest mistake but it does make you laugh and um, Dylan wishes he he was part of that deal and we could have both went and played in Dubai for a couple of months which would have been pretty good You played with him a handful of times at Hearts your brother Dylan but when he became a regular it was after you'd left club was obviously in dire straits uh, do you think under different circumstances he could have had um, maybe longer or maybe a, a more memorable career at Hearts because it was obviously a tough time for a heap of those players do you, do you think it could have been different if he'd come into a team like when you did with more experience around? Yeah, for sure. And I think he also got a little bit of a, a raw deal in terms of, like, we're kind of similar in stature, like, he was similar physically to to look at. And I think a lot of the times, because he didn't have too many options, he was kind of the one that got shifted out to, 
to right back when he is more a centre back or a centre midfielder. So he was kind of playing out of position and everyone then thought, oh, you know, I had just left and, you know, maybe he's like, he, we have always been compared since we were kids, but, you know, it was kind of a, an unfair advantage in terms of he was already getting compared to me when he'd only played a handful of games and he's playing out of position. So I think he was always kind of fighting a little bit of an uphill battle. And I think all his best games for Hearts were probably a centre-back where he was mm-hmm. where he was most comfortable at. But, you know, it was a case of, you know, who are you going to play at right-back, centre-back? They didn't have many players to play. And um, so, you know, Dylan just went out and, and did his best. And I think, he's, I think he probably played a lot of, you know, a lot more games probably better than I did. And, and like you said, he was, wasn't far off in terms of appearances or, or that for me. So... You know, I think he looks back and and you know he's very very grateful to have played for Hearts as as many times as he's done. But yeah, like you said, it was a, a really really difficult time for the for the club and and for those types of players because like that they only had you know a very small squad that was didn't have much um, competitive games between them and and just tried their best. So before we go, uh, maybe just. Quickly, we go through some other tweets that we got. Um, don't want to keep you too much longer. Uh, Catch22 said, um, fancy a shift back in Gorgie next season. So we know you obviously have some <laughs> commitments at the moment in the A-League, but would you return to Hearts if the opportunity arose? If I had a pound for every time I've been asked that, it's <laughs> different. But yeah, um, I don't hide the fact that you know it's a club that's very close to me and I, I have massive Oh, everything really it gave me my opportunity. It started me. It kickstarted me off in my my footballing journey. But you know, I'm old enough and ugly enough to know that football is a funny old game. So take it year by year, as they say, Mark. And um, <laughs> yeah, I've got <laughs> another on, year, and I've got another year at Sydney, and then after that, who knows? Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of different things that that happen. So yeah, I, I would I'd probably I'd have to seriously seriously consider it if they ever did offer me a contract that would be interested because it would be something that I'd be very interested in because it's a, a massive club. But um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of things that have to come before I, or have to happen before I even get that decision. So um, we'll wait and see what happens really. I don't recall when we did media training, uh, going through all the um, things that everyone else says, cliches, game of two halves, we'll have to see, we'll take it. We'll see what happens. But you've maybe added that to your game over the, the last 14 I've, years. I've had to learn. I've, I've had to battle that question a fair few times. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah, it would be a, be a situation where it has to – sometimes it has to fit. Do you mean there was – Of course. I think there was a couple of years ago there was maybe an opportunity to, to go back and I don't think Hearts were that interested at the time. And But you never know if it was a – six months earlier or six months later than they might have, you know, there's a whole lot of different variations that happen. Um, so, you know, I'll, um, I just need to wait and see see what happens. But, yeah, if I, if I was to get offered a contract, it would be it'd probably be pretty hard to turn down, I would imagine. Here's one of the last questions from Amaru, uh, not from Amaru, so let's run, because he had a bizarre kiss, marry, kill, David Oboa, uh, David Oboa, Ruben Palazuelos and Suso Santana. So you may as well just do that. Who'd you kiss, who'd you kill and who do you marry? Out of those three. Obua, you've got to kiss either Obua, Palazuelos or Santana, Suso. You've got to uh, you've got to marry one and you've got to, sadly for the other. Maybe just dump would be better than kill. But... Dump. Oh, okay, um, yeah, <laughs> pretend kill. 
Um, a bizarre question. Yeah, that's a crazy question. <laughs> Especially those three are the most random ones I've ever had. I don't really. I wouldn't kill Obua because uh, it looks like with his celebration that he'd he'd be able to sort it out so you couldn't kill him and he'd probably kill you first. Yeah, maybe but you'd maybe need to get in there before. Yeah, so maybe would. maybe take him out. Yeah. Um, and then Ruben looks nice. You, you take yeah. You take you take Ruben to your mum, wouldn't you? And you yeah, just, maybe. Yeah, and, and Suso, angry little man. You'd maybe a few give drinks. Wee, oh, yeah, knows? give him a, a wee snog just to make him yeah. a little happier. Um, probably yeah, kiss so, him on the after the cut final, probably. So yeah. Love, uh, Harry Temple. Final one. What's the one Hearts game you played and you wish you hadn't? And what's the one Hearts game you didn't play in and you wish you had? Hmm. Good one. That's a good one. Um, poor. Wish I hadn't. I think I was very fortunate enough to play every game, so I would never wish that I didn't play in a Hearts game because I think that's. Do you mean you have to respect the club and respect what that means to so many people? So I'd never disrespect it by saying that I wouldn't have played in a certain game because I always feel that I gave everything every single game. So straight back that one, the game I wish <laughs> I played. Right. <laughs> um, wish I played. I wouldn't have minded playing in last year's cup final. I reckon that would have been pretty good. Um, yeah, that was probably a game because I went to that game. You were, yeah. Bri-Pi, yeah. Bri-Pi 04 actually said, did you hurt yourself celebrating because you were at the game, weren't you? Yeah, pretty hammered. but um, <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't feel it until the next day. But yeah, um, yeah, probably that game. That was like, that was the first cup final. They probably, that was the first cup final they've made. Or they made the league cup final, but I wasn't in the country. So I got like I got to do the whole experience with my mates, like and my father-in-law like got the train down nice and early to Glasgow, set up shop in like a bar, just got hammered like talking about the game, like all the ifs, buts, and maybes, and train to to Hamden, and it was like pretty good going into all the games, um, like going into all the pubs, sorry, and all the Hearts fans were buzzing when they seen me, and the atmosphere like about the place, everyone was confident, and then going one nil up. It's probably like one of the one of the few games I would have been like, oh, I'd love to have been in, involved in that. But um, yeah, it's probably the the one that the one game that I've been a bit like I wouldn't have minded uh, experiencing that. It sounds like you'd probably class yourself as a as a Hearts fan now. Yeah, if you had to, yeah, I suppose I like it. I like all the clubs I've played for, as there are as many. But um, yeah, Hearts are probably my my fondest one. So um, yeah, it's, it's a club that I always look out for there. Their results and um, yeah, anytime I'm back, I do try and get to the, the games. I think most of my my mates that I grew up with, that I played with some of them in the youth teams and and got to know them over the years. They're predominantly Hearts fans, so that's the game that all the games I like to go to and, and probably the team I support. Yeah, disappointing answer I have to say to end because when we did that media training, I, I remember you blatantly saying the only team you ever wanted to play for was Shandong, Luneng, Taishan. <laughs> It was it was Henan. Henan was the oh, team Henan growing Gianni, up. Okay. Yeah, that was the team that I really liked. Yeah, thank really, really right, appreciate guys, no you worries. joining us, Ryan. Thank you very thank much you. No for worries. taking the time, um, and thank good you. luck right. for the the new season whenever that starts. Thank you very much, guys. Pleasure. Take care. Stay safe. Cheers, Cheers Ryan. Bye bye. Bye bye. So that was Ryan McGowan. Do you know what? There isn't a bad thing to say about him. That that's the other thing, because he's. He's one of the nicest guys that you and I, I'm speaking for you here, but I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. 
one of the nicest guys you and I have ever met. Yeah, and just so you know, so passionate, and you know, you, you can tell from watching him play and now you know listening to him speak about it. So passionate about football and about Hearts, you know, he embarrassed about his celebrations, but I think that's part of what endeared him <laughs> to Hearts, wasn't it? Just he didn't he didn't leave anything, he didn't hide anything. He was he, he just went crazy, arms flailing about, running into the running into the the fans, and I think that was great, and it was. Part of why he was so popular, and obviously he was a good player and an effective player, but really bought into it. And almost, you know, he spent his what late teens around Edinburgh, around Hearts, staying with Claire Cowan's mum, and you can just tell that um, it really means a lot to him, the club, and 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 how he progressed there. Yeah, he he, he celebrates like we all would, like a Hearts yeah. fan just going nuts. And I, I tell you what, if if someone wanted to take the piss out of me for the rest of their life for celebrating a goal from a team in a cup final. I'd gladly take that. And we didn't even get to his first goal for Hearts in an Edinburgh derby when he also headbutted Ivan Sproul in the stomach. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in and we, we hope you enjoyed listening to this two-parter on uh, Ryan McGowan. Um, very grateful to Mr. McGowan for taking the time to obviously speak to us. You can follow him on Twitter at rmcgowan89. Um, 30 now, eh? Where does the time go? And uh, Ryan McGowan should be resuming A-League action at some point for Sydney FC, top of the league. So I think you, you can catch them over on Fox, is it in your country, in BT here? Yep. yep. So, um, yeah, you can you can keep an eye out for him. Um, and, of course, his brother Dylan, see how they get on. Um, before we go, Mark, do, do we want to put any homework out there? It's been a, it's been a, a decent two-part episode. I don't know if we have anything to mind. You know what? Why don't why don't we just do a simple your favourite Ryan McGowan memory? Indeed, yes. Give us your favourite Ryan McGowan memory, whether that's on the field or off the field, because he sounds like he's had um, he's made some good memories away from the football pitch as well. So you can give us a tweet at around the funnel, and you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, who knows what that'll involve? It's um, interesting times just now. Uh, we can't promise a Hearts Cup winner every week, but um, whenever possible, we'll maybe get it in. Uh, what are we going to play out on? Man down under. Men, men, men at work. Men at work. You know what? Just like Ryan McGowan kept reading my mind with my notes um, just before <laughs> I got to the next point. You've read my mind there. Yeah, so, indeed, a, a perfect song to, to play out on. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you all next time. Travelling in a Friday combi Trailhead full of zombies. I met a strange lady, she made me nervous. She took me in and gave me breakfast. And she said, Do you come from a land down under? He'll be claiming that all right, his first ever goal for Hearts, Ryan McGowan. Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? You better run, you better take cover. And it comes, that's McGowan! And Hearts have the opening goal before the half hour mark. Fine bread from a man in Brussels. He was six foot four and full of muscle. I said, Do you speak my language? He just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich. And he said, I come from a land. A leap of faith, and at the start of the second half, 
Hearts have scored two quick goals.